This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Good morning. Uh, it's Palm Sunday. Uh, maybe that means something to you. Maybe you don't really know what that means. It means it's the Sunday that precedes Easter Sunday. It's also called Passion Sunday. You know, and so many of us today, just um, when it comes to Christ, when it comes to Him coming back, His return, we're just not really mindful of it. We're not really passionate about it. So I want to do an exercise. Um, I want all of us stand up. Okay, and you know um, we have very in, in America for sure. Um, what we do is when we score, almost every sport or even some kind of uh, activity, even if it be uh, a musical or even if it would be uh, something academia or whatever it might be, when we win, we usually get full of praise. Okay, and so if it's Passion Sunday, we should be passionate about our Jesus. And so I've never done this before, but I want to just do a little exercise because I believe a lot of times exercise expresses, it's a way of expressing our heart. Yesterday I went to a wedding and there was a, a man that I got opportunity to wed to this, his wife. And he's one of those people that you'd look at and he goes, he's just really a non-expressive, non-verbal type of individual. And I watched him ball his eyes out as his bride came down the aisle. And, you know, some of us may not know how to express. So he's your pastor. I'm going to teach you something today because, you know what, maybe you've never clapped for your kid or maybe you've never clapped. Maybe you've never clapped in church before. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This is going to be a first for everything. Amen. So we're going to go over there and we're going to give a shout and we're going to go over there and give a clap offering to our King of Kings. His name is Jesus Christ. So let's do it in a count of three. One, two, three. Woo! Amen. All right, you may be seated. <laughs> it's good to be in church today, amen? We win. Uh, well, I want to share that with you because as I was also talking to a young man yesterday who's going to the U of M, and uh, he's in his, uh, I think his third year of it, and I asked him, what are you studying? He says, economics. And I said, well, that's a really interesting subject to be studying today, economics. Uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this, but our president just asked for um, basically a, a digital asset He's just made uh, a, a command, executive order, for us to figure out an, a, a digital asset monetary system. What does that mean? Well, it just means we're getting very close to the end. Okay, if you look in uh, Revelations chapter 13, toward the end of it, it says that you know the enemy, the Antichrist, will have a one-world system, a one-world monetary system, and you know you can get all over the internet, and there's going to be all kinds of arguments about whether you know what we're going toward a one-world system, monetary system, even with what our president order is right now. But let me just tell you something: the system is getting closer. And in fact, uh, it was a month or two uh, ago I had shared with you that I had, I had spent some time with my mentor, Pastor, uh, Pastor Dwayne Manerclock. And uh, there was a gentleman that came into his church that was uh, his, but his new ministry is, is saving people out of Afghanistan, believers out of Afghanistan, and getting them into Pakistan. 
I don't know how safe it's going to be in Pakistan, but currently it is. All right. And so what he had done is that he was raising funds and all of a sudden PayPal, what they did because PayPal, what is it? It's a digital asset space of operating your money. And you know what PayPal did? They seized his funds because they didn't want to release those funds because those funds were being used in a manner that they didn't agree with on a political um, right. That is Revelations chapter 13. There will be in the future a space where there's a cease of funds. And when we ever do go to this monetary system and everything else, I just want you to know that we are seeing the end days. In fact, we're going to be talking, talking today in Ezekiel 37. If you could open up your Bibles or your smart device to Ezekiel chapter 37. And I certainly want to challenge you to get in the Bible today. Get in the Word of God today. In fact, our reading today in the... Um, as long as we're in the church, is was Mark chapter 11. And here's Jesus. He leaves uh, basically Bethany, and, and he goes into Jerusalem the first time. We're not talking about the triumphal entry yet. He goes in the first time, and he observes. And he comes into the church, and he looks at the church, and he doesn't respond. I, I could learn something from Jesus here, because a lot of times when I get frustrated, I respond too quickly. I'm too direct, and uh, sometimes I'm very, my wife would say, you're, I'm very emotionally driven in life, and it gets me into trouble. And so I can learn something from this Mark chapter 11 moment, and I'm praying that it does teach me some things. In it. But in the space of him, he looks at it, and Jesus is obviously upset, so much so that he leaves, and this is where he sees the, the, the fig tree. And he sees he's probably hungry, he's passionate, and he looks at the church, and the church is in a bad space. And, and, uh, and when I say the church, when I, the temple, in the temple order, is in bad space. And he curses this tree because there's no fig on it. There's no fruit in it. It's not bearing any fruit. And even though the, fig, the poor fig tree in that place was because the fig tree wasn't supposed to bear fruit, it wasn't time to bear fruit at that time. But Jesus nonetheless cursed it, which means speak poor of. That's what cursing means. It doesn't mean to go over there and take the Lord's name in vain. Cursing means to speak poor of. Some of you need to stop cursing in life because you speak poor of situations. That's all curse means. Speak negative. How many of us speak negative? Speak negative about something, you're cursing it. Speak positive, you're blessing it. But anyway, point of it is, Jesus cursed this thing, and then he comes back into the temple the next day, and he, and he goes, he starts overturning tables. You know, we know, know this passage. We're like, man, that doesn't even seem like Jesus. Well, first of all, you need to know that Jesus didn't react instantaneously to that moment. He had contemplated, he had prayed about it, and then he went back and said, yep, my first inclination, that one is the right inclination. I'm sorry. He says, my house should be a house of prayer, which is why I want to share with you Friday, Good Friday, is what we're opening up this church to a night of prayer. Every one of you in this room right now know people in your workplace that aren't saved. Every one of you have family members in this place right now that aren't saved. Every one of you had neighbors that aren't saved. Every one of us got multiple hands we could be lifting up. This is an hour where we need to be praying that God comes in the space of people's thinking and in the space of time. This is the time where we got to get out of the funk that God's people were in back 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, they were in a, a, a space where everybody was clouded. What had happened was, is that Israelites because they were called God's people. And now if I asked 
you to raise your hand, you'd tell me the same thing right now. I'm God's kid. I'm God's kid. You would say that. I'm I'm God's kids. I go to church and I I pray to Jesus and I, I, I love him. But what had happened was, is these Israelites, though they were labeled God's kids, they weren't looking for his return. They weren't looking for him to come. And so when he did come, when Jesus did come on this earth, they didn't recognize him. The church of that day didn't recognize Jesus coming. My job as your pastor, and I don't consider myself a prophet of any kind, but I do see things. I believe we're just like 2,000 years ago, that we're not looking for his return, this second return. That like the church in that day wasn't looking for Jesus to come. I think many of us are so busy. In fact, I'm even asking in my own heart, God, am I like Martha? I'm so busy. I, I want to build a house and, and I'm so busy with trying to get some things sold and things purchased. And we got a new youth pastor who wants to come on. And I'm so, you know, the task and then Pastor Chad's on vacation and the lights aren't on. Anyway, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so busy with all of these tasks at hand and Jesus is coming back. Am I mindful of it? Am I sharing with others that he's coming back? Am I ready to turn the lights on? (laughs) So, So, you know what? Am I here to share Christ with everyone that's on and walking on planet Earth today? Good Friday. I pray that you guys come here and bring friends. You don't have to go to this church to come here. Listen, we're not about building this church. We're about building the kingdom. We're about, we want every church to be filled with Jesus. We want every sanctuary to fall prostrate in a time of his presence. We want everyone's eyes to be open to know that he's coming back. These signs, Jesus says, look, you know, I I don't know. He says, only the father knows when he's coming back, but there are signs of the times. You need to be spiritually blind to not recognize the signs of the times. We are living in a space right now where a presidential order is made to get away with currency that you're in charge of and the currency that they will be in charge of. We are living in that hour and that time. And I'm not here to say what president is doing wrong or right. That's not what I'm doing. And I'm not taking this platform to be, you know, political. I'm here to share with you that you need to help people get ready for Jesus. I'm not here to talk about, you know, politicians. I am here to tell you that we need to get ready for Jesus' return. And there are so many of us and so much of our language throughout the week is so busy and that doesn't even come up. And that it shouldn't be a language that only comes up on Sunday. But it should be a language that if it's truly in our heart, it comes up every day. It comes up in the first part of our morning. And we think, God, can you please touch people today? Again, in Revelations chapter 13, we're not going to turn there today. We are going to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. And uh, I just want to give you the verses 16 through 18. And it said that these are the time when the Antichrist... We'll be doing signs and wonders and we'll be charged. By the way, right now, if you look at the media, and I don't follow the media, but the media right now is saying, is there going to be anybody that can be out there and be one person that could literally save our world? The media is setting the space for the Antichrist. 
That's literally, that's going all over the media. Is there one person, and that's all talking about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. This, the platform is being set for the end. And I don't know if that means 20 minutes, 20, 30 years. I, I, honestly, I am not going to be a prophet that goes over there and claims it wrong. I'm here to share with you, is your heart longing for his return? I will be that guy. The Bible says that he's coming back for all those who long for his return. And then I look at myself. Am I longing for his return? Or do I have this task of things that I need to really get done first? Well, I pray that Friday that we can at least come and begin to present souls inside of our heart and say, God, I know you're coming back soon, but there's so many that aren't ready for his return. I pray for them right now. I intercede for them right now. And then we can intercede for our country, that we could intercede for our school system. I was sitting around a table um, yesterday, and one of them, uh, two ladies work with the school systems. And to listen to their, and they weren't even saved. You know your pastor talked about Jesus at the table. <laughs> so, okay, we did. We talked about Jesus at the table. But two of the sisters that worked around the school system, and they recognize the times that they've never lived in a time where there's so much lawlessness and children disobedient to their parents. Is anybody reading the book of Timothy? That's what said the last days. Come on, we're living in the signs and the time. And let me tell you, share something. Here's the cool thing about God. I don't fear the economics because I'm not above these economics. There's a different economic system that I'm applied to. That's what Richard was talking about. My economics are Jesus Christ. And that he is in charge of my economics. He is who I give to. Now, maybe it's given on, you know, given in a, uh, a phone to, from my bank to Life Change Church, but Jesus is my source. He's who I give to. And so therefore, because of those economics, I am so blessed in ways that are unimaginable. My dad said it was, he says, son, your, your stuff, it seems like everything you touch turns to gold. I says, that's because I'm part of a golden kingdom. Amen? That's what I believe. Mark chapter 11 says that whatever you believe, you shall receive. Many of you believe that nasty things are coming. Well, then exactly what's going to get? You're going to get nasty things to come. We must believe in our heart. Now, I believe that the enemy, and I'm not here to talk about the fear, because the system of fear is of the enemy. The system of faith is of God. Which system are you of? Which system are you trusting? COVID put fear across the world, but it put fear in this church. Tried. The systems of this world are all bent on fear. The economics, people are wor worried about World War III. The worldly, wor the worldly about the, the, the economics. You shouldn't be worried because you're not of this. You're not of this world, but yet in, that's one thing we say, but is that what you believe? Is that really what you believe? Because if you believe that, then you'll give to his kingdom, you'll serve his kingdom, you'll pray to his kingdom, you'll worship his, in, within the side, the presence of his kingdom, you'll talk about his kingdom, and you won't be so caught up in so much of the world. Ezekiel chapter 37. Now, before I read this passage, I want to give you a little bit of a time, and I kind of already painted a picture of what, what was going on. The, the, the church 
was uh, the, the kingdom was going into a dark place. They were captive. And, and over and over this happens. Time, the Bible says, history has a way of repeating itself. So in this space of history repeating itself, God's people are captive again. And in this space of captivity, they're growing kind of despondent and frustrated. And Ezekiel comes in that space, and God speaks to him. And I believe that's the way we're having to be today. That when you, you come down, the breath of God needs to come inside of your spirit, and you need to breathe life in all the death that's around you. Okay? Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. I, I think that the Lord needs to get us carried away in the Spirit today. The Bible says, though, all those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. How many of you want to really act like a God's child? Okay. All right. It means you can, you can, you can live, you can have the inheritance of a child of God. And, and not act like you're a child of God. You can have an inheritance that God has for your life and not receive. Amen? It is important for us to understand, are we going to get caught? I believe Friday that some of us in this room, I've hopefully all of us in this room as we pray, that we're going to get caught in the Spirit and God's going to breathe. This is what he's going to do. He's going to breathe Ezekiel 37. By the way, I, this is how cool God is. I had no idea when he's putting this message. I've never preached on... Um, dry bones ever in, in my 30 years of ministry. And the Lord led me to speak this months ago. I had no idea it was going to be, be the week before Easter or that we were going to have a Friday prayer tonight. Because you know what? I'm not smart enough to put that stuff together. But I serve a kingdom that is. And I was sitting there looking at this today, and I was going, Lord, you're so good. You know, it's cool when God can make you look smarter than you are, better looking than you are, better husband than you are, better wife than you are. It's so good to be with God, amen? And so many of us are trying to do something for God. Do it with God. This is Ezekiel doing something with God, not for God. Verse two. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am among going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you. I'll cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you'll know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood upon their feet, a great army. 
Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile, cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I have said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that history in you is alive and the world is just dead and gone but in you it's alive and that your word speaks to us. It's alive, Father God. And I ask right now that it would be a, put a signature inside of our lives, that we would be moved by you to be united into the design and plan that why we're here on this crazy planet called earth for this time and season. May we rise up, may the spirit of God breathe inside of us and may the breath of God come out of us and that we would speak to the dryness of our lives and lives around us. God, I ask that this would not just be an inspirational moment, but a transformational moment in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, in my points, I try to break it out. There's only a few of them. And then we're gonna try to make sense of this if I could. Because some of us would go, well, Pastor Ron, that's not talking, that's talking to the Israelites and you're not really speaking to us as a church. I, I want to share with you that um, historically, the Lord has moved upon his people and that the message that all scripture is written by God, written for inspiration, written for correction, written for rebuke. It's written for the hour in which we live in. And what had happened in the, the time of Ezekiel is happening today. And in fact, it happened hundreds of years later during the time of Jesus. And then a man rose up, his name was John the Baptist. And he, he rose up with a prophetic message before Jesus came here. And I believe there's a prophetic message that's ready to rise up again for his return. And that the church, in the, all the things that we're seeing in the church, and we're seeing a lot of things that are going crazy, going on in the church, and what this church is allowing, what this church is allowing, and then we're seeing other organizations that are falling, that sin is rising up, and it's just, it's all over the, the internet. God said he would judge the church first. To be honest with you, it scares me. He said he'd judge leaders even more harshly. That really scares me. And that's not a, a scare of like, I'm going to be bad and I'm going to be bad. It's really what it means is a fear of God. That I'm not going to measure up no matter what, but with Christ's grace, and like we had talked about regeneration last week, that his grace can regenerate my heart for him. I pray that today that your heart begins to regenerate. That it gets into a place of understanding that we're not in this place of despondence and coldness and just going through the motions and, and just tackling or, or trying to tackle our bills or tackle on our strife that's going on at home or all the things that are of this world. Jesus was talking to Peter about the kingdom. And he said, really, he says, who do you say that I am? He's, you know, when he says, well, you're, you're the son of God. And then Jesus began to share what was going to happen. He says, well, you've seen correctly. And because you've seen correctly, this is about what's to happen. And then Peter pulls Jesus aside. 
and rebukes him because you're not going to get, you're not, you're not going to be lashed out at. You're not going to be crucified. You're not. And, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're only mindful of this world. Brothers and sisters, what's going on in our world today is for one big thing is that you'd be mindful of your stress. Mindful of the activity that's going on. Never has there been a time where there's so much unrest and so much fear and so much wonder where people would literally point says, can one person rise up and be the savior of the world? Yeah, his name is Jesus. But yet that would be the laughingstock today if you put that on the media. That thought would be crucified. Yet it's still the truth, and it's always been the prevailing truth. And I believe it's so important for us to rise up and breathe the Spirit of God into our situation. Breathe it into our marriages. Breathe it into our finances. Breathe it into our workplace. Breathe it when you wake up in the morning. Breathe it in your afternoon hours. Breathe it into our school system, our hospital. Breathe what God has. What is God speaking to you? Point number one, are you aware of the condition of the, of the body of Christ? Never have I seen the church look more just like the world. In fact, I was sitting at a table yesterday and I was telling Brenda, you know, I, now when you do a wedding, there's more people at the reception than there is the wedding. It used to be way different. In 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I mean, I know I've been doing these weddings for, you know, 30 years. And you do the wedding and there'd be, I don't know, let's say 100 to 200 people. And the reception would be 75 to 100. Now it's completely flipped around. Now there's just a few people that go to the wedding. And then there's a whole bunch of people that go to the reception. Now, I take that personal. I'm thinking... Nobody really wants to come and listen to me anymore. You know, nobody wants to hear what God has to say. It breaks my heart. It does. I don't, I don't, and I say that I don't take it personally to anybody. Like I was sitting around the people at the table that didn't come to the, to the wedding. I don't take it personally in that state. I just look at it and go, the value for who God is, has never been in his all-time low. And the value of who, what God's doing. I, breathe, I believe that it's time for us to stop being people that just look like Christians. We need be Christians, Christ-like. So are you aware of what's going on? That, that the same struggles that are in the world are the same struggles in the church. But you know what the difference should be? We're the ones that have the victory. We can overcome. Blessed is he who overcomes. And so when you're going through something and, you know, don't be tempted to be Adam and Eve. Remember the very beginning, Adam and Eve, and all of a sudden they struggled and they blew it. How many of you blow it with God? And how many of you do the same thing that Adam and Eve did? And all of a sudden God wants to get inside your life. And what do you do? You kind of run away and try to hide yourself and call, you know, and, and hopefully somebody doesn't see it or, or you cover it. You try to cover it up. You don't talk about it. Instead of just saying, God, I'm sorry. Turn your face to God in these days. Render your heart into him. He loves you. He's not longing to point out your sin. He already sees it. He's longing to have his grace regenerate your life and so that the power that lives inside of you would be power that gets outside of you. 
God looks at you and sees an ambassador. He sees a winner. He sees somebody who can be full of his life that could change your whole workplace. He's not just looking at the situation you're going through. He's looking at the scenario that you live within. And God so loved the world that he wants to love the world through you. Point number two, Satan or little g. Amen, he's just a little g. But he is still, according to the Bible, the God of this world. What does he do in our study? Blinds people's eyes. We learned this a couple weeks ago. People are blinded. The only way that you're going to do that and pray is you pray and say, God, open up their eyes. Isn't that what Ephesians tells us? God, I pray that they have eyes of understanding. I'm so, I, I, I'm just marvel at how the, you know, people can, can literally be Christians and not see the times and the signs. But then, you know, I get it. I got grandkids, you know, and they don't have the faintest idea why life. They think that they can go and, and that literally that money comes out of a building called a bank. That's what they think. They think that the resource for grandpa is go to that machine, just go get some more money, grandpa. Or get your card, you know. That's what they think. They don't realize that there's a transaction of service that comes, and through that transaction of service, there's a payback. And that's what I'm trying to teach them. Clean up after, you know, that parents. That's why it's so important to tell your kids, clean up. There needs to be a transaction. And the transaction isn't monetary. Well, maybe it can be. But it should be a value and honor. And when we lose the value and honor of who God is, we lose the value and honor of the church. We lose the value and honor of parents. We lose the kingdom. No wonder people don't understand the kingdom. Because everything that God values in the kingdom, nobody else values. Point number three, God works through us to fulfill his plan. Are you a bystander? Or you realize that you are part of the answer today? Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's working inside of you. So what happens a lot of times that we don't realize is that he's working inside of us but we're so busy and mindful of everything else around us. I was sharing that with my wife. I'm, um, we're going to be well, hopefully building here sometime this year. <laughs> but uh, am I so mindful of what to do that I'm not mindful of who he is in my life? Do I want to get this house finished and then think about him? Am I the Martha and Mary thing where here's Jesus and Martha was doing the right things and, and being responsible? Believe me, if you're around me, I'm going to teach you responsibility because whatever, if you don't do it, I'm going to take care of it and do it for you. And I got enough on my plate. I don't want to do yours and mine. I want you to do yours and I'll do mine. Amen. Well, that's the same thing with the kingdom. If we all do what God's called us to do, can you imagine what the church could get done? I mean, it'd be amazing what we could get done in Jesus. But what's happened is, is so many times that, you know, we're, we're sitting and not realizing that we're anointed to live, to show the world who he is. 
The reason God wants you free from your addictions of, of alcohol or drugs or pornography or, or hate or unforgiveness or maliciousness, the reason God wants you free from these spirits that are of this world is because the world is already bound by them. They want to see, is there anybody else free from them? If we look just like them, why in the world would they accept Christ? And so as we walk in our journey, like the, you know, like basically the Israelites walking away from Egypt, Egypt being a, for, a force of this world, as we walk away from the slavery of this world, we walk away from the slavery of everything that's going on in this world, as we walk away free from fear, free from worry of economics, free from hate, free from unforgiving, you know, free because we're, we're forgiving those who spitefully use you and say all oh, manner of evil against us, free from the tirade of all the political nonsense that's going on in our day. We're free in the spirit. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord, there's liberty, there's freedom. As we're walking in freedom, they're so bound up and they're so chained up. They look at them and go, look at the freedom. Where do you get your freedom? I said, I'd love to share. His name is, his name is Jesus. And you know, well, how do you do that? Is it, well, what church? No, it's a daily walk because every single day, the little G tries to put a link in the chain and choke it out of my life. That's why the Bible, Jesus said, it's the cares of this world want to choke out our lives. Let's not let the little G live of us. Let, let's the big G. We have a, serve a big God. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die to lead our life. And he says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse four, our text said this. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you'll come to life. Then you'll know that I am the Lord. Number four. Before I get into number four, like last night I had a visit from the little G, and uh, trying with when I say it's a symptom of sickness. And anyway, I woke up like one o'clock in the morning. I'm hacking and I'm coughing and got phlegm and my throat really hurts. And I went, "Yeah, I ain't got time for this. I ain't got no time for these symptoms. I got no time. This is a big week for Jesus." Amen? And I want to be an ambassador for Jesus. It's got Good Friday service. I got Sunday service. I want to be my best for Jesus. So you know what? Symptoms cease. Jesus, breathe. And yet those symptoms didn't go away right away. My throat really hurt. It burned on the inside. And you know what? The temptation was to go into the, the, the refrigerator where I know that those halls are. You know, the temptation was to woe is me. And, you know, I, I did a wedding yesterday and, you know, and I've been given and given and I've been doing that. All, this, all this, the excuses of the stress. And then Mark 11 rises up this morning as we read it where it says, speak to your mountain and it'll move. You know what my mountain was? The flu. Well, maybe yours is COVID. I don't know what it is, but it's just a mountain. It's got to move. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess in your mouth, you're going to be saved. You can speak to those situations. But what happens so many times is there doubt. The Bible says, if you say it and believe it without a doubt, how many times do we pray and doubt's present? Truth, isn't it? That's why I believe Jesus tells us to pray and keep on praying. Pray and keep on praying. I'm not praying because God's not hard of hearing. God heard me the first time. He's just waiting for me to pray without doubt. And so I love it when God says, ask and keep on asking, not keep on knocking. 
And so what I do in that ask, keep on asking, not keep on knocking, seek, keep on seeking, is because I'm trying to get rid of the Ron doubt that's attached to it. And that might be a symptom. That might be a thought, an imagination. I love what we just got done reading just a couple days ago with a woman who had an issue of blood. She thought and imagined in her head, if I just touch him, I'm free. What's your imagination? Is your imagination free if I just touch Jesus today? Do you even imagine you can touch Jesus today? He's very touchable because you're a spirit being. Now, you ain't going to touch him with your humanism. You're not going to touch him with all your you know, frailism of this world because even Peter, what happened? He says, you're so mindful of this world, Peter. You're not mindful of me. But we can get into that space where we're so mindful of God that we can touch Jesus himself. She imagined inside and she touched him. All these people outside touched Jesus. And yet Jesus says, somebody just touched me. The person that was mindful in the spirit touched Christ, prophetically moved in that moment. That's us, body of Christ. God could move upon your heart. I mean, this is last week I had a dream of somebody that had just been very malicious to me and God, and I was in that dream. I was praying for them, and I, you know what? And I just told them I loved them, and they got broken down in tears. Now, that prophetic dream is so that I don't know what God's going to do next. All I know is I shared it with my elders this morning, and I'm just waiting. Hey, God, what do you want to do next? Because here's the thing. Here's what happened to Ezekiel. Two different prophetic times. One, he spoke over the dry bones, and the bones all come back together, and skin comes on them. And then he said, tell breath of God. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes we just think that we come in one moment, and it all happens in one space of time. God wants you to receive the breath of God. That's the Holy Spirit in your marriage, in your parenting, in your job in your relationships, in your church family, for your neighbors, for those friends, those loved ones that you know that don't know Jesus Christ, not for judgment, but because they're living in a space. If Jesus comes back today, they're not, they're not going to be resurrected with him. That breaks Jesus' heart. He puts you on planet earth so that you would intercede, stand in the gap, and prophetically pray for their lives. We're almost finished. Number four, God's creative work takes shape through spoken word. I don't know how much you know about God or his ways. God is a spirit, and the way he operates is through words. He speaks, and life takes formation. We are here to speak prophetically. Well, I'm not a prophet. I didn't say you had to be. We are designed by God to bring prophetic message into our world. Every morning, my wife and I speak in our prayer life prophetically over this church, over our kids, our grandkids, over our businesses. Satan, you are out by the blood of Christ and the authority of Christ. Jesus we invite you in. And every single morning we do this. And what God is doing now, he says, I'm, I'm sensing that's not enough. I'm sensing that we need to even take it to another space prophetically. Because even through this message, there was two prophetic spaces of time where Ezekiel had to pray over those dry bones. One, for them to assimilate. 
The other two is to walk out their journey. I believe that God right now is asking his body, that be in you, to assimilate and be the body of Christ that you're called to be, not just in the house, but outside. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Are you excited about his return? First thing you need to do right now, if you're in that space, not, this isn't for judgment. This is for just a fresh breath of what God's saying to, right now in this hour. If you're not excited about his return, the Bible says he's coming back for all those who long for his return. And if that's not you, that's where you start today. God, I'm sorry that I've been so busy, so busy with life that I'm not longing for you to come here. I'm not longing for your return. That is something all of us should want because we should all want to go home. This isn't home. I long to be. And, and, and how do you say, well, pastor, how do I get there? You ask for his grace. Grace is the regenerated heart toward what's truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son and that by grace are only are you saved, lest any man should boast of what he's done or he's not done. It's grace. And so I believe that Friday, some of you are going to come here and just ask for grace. Maybe just for yourself. I don't know. That's okay. Some of you for others. And that's very okay. But nonetheless, we need to become a church, a house of prayer. That I pray that we... For, from this time forward, begin to be so mindful of his return and that this house would be filled with people longing to be everything God's called them to be. So please bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I'm so thankful for this presence of truth that you allow us to navigate in our world, Father, is full of lies, myths, um, just literally lust and cares. And yet, Lord, in, your, in the spirit of truth, in the Holy Spirit, we can be caught up in a space of righteousness, peace, and joy. A path that's not of this world that we can have thoughts that aren't of this world. Imaginations that you put inside of us and that you would breathe life into us, that we would breathe life like you did Ezekiel. I believe in this day, Lord, you want to rattle the cages, that there's so much deadness outside. People are fearful. People are caught up in the cares and now, Lord, I sense, Lord, you're rising up. Passion Sunday. Lord, I pray that you move in this church. Move on those watching this right now or going to. May we be awakened to the presence of who you are. God, forgive me. Forgive us, Lord, for being so mindful of tasks, duties, responsibilities, and not so mindful of you first. 
May in this moment that we're about to embark, God, I pray that we would be called. I pray repentance, a turn of hearts, rend our hearts to you. If you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and your heart isn't ready for Jesus, yet he's knocking. That's him, that, that where you feel that conviction, where you feel that space of, of emptiness, Jesus wants to fill that. In a moment, we're going to pray. And in this prayer, it's an invite. Inviting Jesus to come inside of your life, to lead your life. So all of you as a church family, would you please pray this prayer? And if you, maybe this prayer is really personal right now because God's making it personal and you're, ex you're taking this time to accept him for the first time. Or maybe you're on your return to him. Rend your heart to him. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, here I am. I love you. And I accept your sacrifice you offered through the death of Jesus for my sins. Here I am. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.